just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. There it is. I got some technical issues going on. That didn't work. Uh, but, you know, uh, things happen, uh, and, and we can hit rough parts in uh, whatever we do. And, and I think in the Christian culture today, uh, we have hit a little bit of a road bump in a lot of places, given the shifting attitudes in our culture towards our faith. And we find it very difficult sometimes to talk about our faith. We don't want to offend. We don't want to be rejected. But we don't want to, you know. And when we do, sometimes uh, we can be guilty. I can be guilty of this. We we come out with this kind of what we call Christianese in the church, uh, and like people are like, "What are you talking about?" Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to talk about our faith, and and really, uh, an interesting thing about the whole tongues thing of Second Chapter of Acts. Don't let this scare you. Is that they proclaimed Jesus in the language that people understood everyone's language and that's the heart of what we're talking about today is proclaiming the gospel in a language that people understand so uh to do that i have someone who does this in one of the toughest areas of the country on a regular basis and has a book called translating jesus how to share your faith in language that today's culture can understand and that's a key thing Shauna Pilgrim is the author of that, and she joins me now. Chat is open. Fabio, Judy, people out there watching, wherever you're watching, you're invited to be a part of the conversation. Shauna, hello from Ontario, someone says. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you. Thank you, Randy. I'm excited just to, yeah, have a conversation about this today. All right, so to set this up, give people a little bit of an idea of where you're at, what Epic Church does, uh, and I think it'll give a little more context to this, uh, the importance of being able to speak people's language in, in communicating the gospel. Give us a little background. Yeah, so I'm sitting in my house in uh, San Francisco, California. My husband and I and our three boys 13 years ago moved to downtown San Francisco to plant Epic Church, and yeah, we started it from scratch. We had a few friends that moved out here with us. And just our background, we grew up in Georgia and Louisiana. So it's not like we just came across the bridge to start a church. We came across the country yeah. to start a church. And we're Epic is 12 years old. And we are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church with over 60 nations um, that attend. Okay, so now, now that's a big part of what you're talking about. But when you talk about multi-ethnic and, and San Francisco has got to be, what, give us an idea of who lives there, who you minister to, as far as from an ethnic background standpoint, because I find yeah, that So 40% of San Franciscans were born outside of the United States. Wow. So we are, and it's such a transient place. So we have people, I would say predominantly coming from the West, coming from Asia. Okay. The people are coming in um, for internships, for fellowships, um, to make it big in tech and biotech to go back to where they're from. So again, you know, on a given Sunday, we can have yeah, 60 nations represented at our church. That's crazy. And you know, also you've got, you mentioned the tech, you got some of the wealthiest people in the country in San Francisco, and you got people living on the streets. Uh, what, what's sort of the, 
socioeconomic range of the people that walk in your church? Well, I mean, if you can picture like the wealthiest person, you know, and the poorest person, you know, I mean, that it, that's, it, it doesn't like, it's not gray. It's very clear. <laughs> um, the distinctions of the kind of people that can be sitting beside you at church on Sunday. I mean, even just yesterday, I was praying with a woman who lives in the Tenderloin, which is um, our poorest neighborhood in the city, um, to be standing beside someone who, you know, is high up in Apple. Hmm. Uh, so again, I have a, I have two points of view from whether I'm walking the streets of San Francisco or I'm sitting in church um, in a basement in downtown San Francisco. But the truth is, is that we're all figuring out how to live together in this city. Some are here to make it big and make a big difference in the world. And some are, they've hit rock bottom and they're just trying to survive or even wondering, is life even worth it? Jeez. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, into that, how do you, how do you speak to these people? How do you preach the gospel to such a wide group? I mean, it's, it, it's almost, there's no one size fits all, is there? No, but Randy, I grew up in the South. So I grew up um, almost in like one kind of culture. And so I could speak about my faith and almost anybody, whether I was at the post office or in, in my high school or in my neighborhood, and people at least would have an idea of what I was talking about. That does not work in a global city hmm. because people have such a variety of upbringings and their past and what they've been exposed to. So what I'm learning to do is to listen. Hmm. That sounds so simple, but I think as Christians, we're so quick to speak and to have an answer and to tell them who Jesus is when I think it starts with, and I think we see this all over the New Testament, what Jesus did, what his disciples did, what missionary Paul did, is to step into a culture and first pay attention, to, to listen. I, yeah, I agree. Um, and, excuse me. At the same time, we do need to be ready with an answer uh, about our faith. So when when you look, get to know somebody and, and you do your listening, um, how do you communicate the gospel to them? Yeah. So listening doesn't have to take all day, but listening, just start listening and start by asking a question. Like ask them, how are you? Your arm looks hurt. Is everything okay? Um, like, but by starting with that question, you get to hear their language. Yeah. So if you can hear them speak, then you know how, as a believer, how to respond. Good. As opposed to just coming in and responding how you think they need to hear it. If you would listen to their answer to a question, then you know how to speak their language. Yeah. So I was about a month ago, I was in Ireland and I've been studying Irish for a while. And uh, <laughs> like a moron, uh, I, I, you know, get to Dublin and I see somebody and I say something in Irish to them and they looked at me and th this person was Irish and I said I, I don't speak Irish I speak English <laughs> so you're like I made a wrong assumption there so yeah if I would just listen first I, I would understand maybe how they speak what what their background is you know uh what their pain is what they're looking for if they're in a church especially uh so yeah <laughs> and there's a lot of truth in that one here's I have a question someone's asking online um the, the, the literally the question is is this a in quotes progressive church and i i'm assuming that they're coming from a political standpoint 
regardless, the politics of California um, are not real friendly to the background in which you grew up, which is a traditional conservative Christian background. How do you navigate um, the political along with the cultural uh, while preserving the the truth of the gospel? Because the two don't are not always friendly. No, but we are, we are a gospel centric Jesus church. And while we are living in a city that tolerates anything and everything and has no boundaries, mm-hmm. um, my husband and I just 13 years in, we really have taken this posture of almost being like a spiritual mom and dad in our city that this is who Jesus is. This is what the Bible says. And that's our, like that, that's our guide. That's our, he is the way, the truth and the life. So we're living out of that. Um, at the same time, yes, we are living in a very progressive city. So, but what's remarkable. And I, I taught on this yesterday at church. What's remarkable is that people actually are craving boundaries. Mm. They're craving routine. They're craving for attention, for someone to love them. And so we're finding people are coming into the church and they're actually glad that there's some boundaries, that there's that there are some guidelines, that there is a truth that they've been searching for. So, but I do think we get in our minds that maybe in order to reach a progressive city, we have to change our our or what we believe. When in, we don't, we're still very much a gospel-centric church. But what's had to change is we've had to listen to how they speak. Yeah what their pain points are and then bring Jesus into that. Yeah. Boy, that's good. And, and so true. Um, my, my pastor preached yesterday, uh, on the woman at the well, uh, and he talked about how our church, and I believe the, the church should be one that builds wells, not walls. And unfortunately, a lot of times we want to put up those walls and it just keeps people out when, when, Jesus talks about the living water. It's a very inviting thing. What What are some of the things you guys have discovered to invite people in to drink from the well of living water as opposed to uh, some of the tendencies? You're younger than I am, but you still probably had a little bit of that Southern kind of uh, legalism that, that really just puts up walls instead of opening up wells. Have you seen, have you had to navigate that? You're smiling, so I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm understanding. I'm understanding what you're saying. Um, I love that story of the Samaritan woman because one of my favorite lines in that text is she says, come and see. Yeah. Like, come, come and see. Come and meet the man who knows everything I've ever done. And that's what we're, tr- that's what we're trying to do in San Francisco. And, and my hope and prayer is for everyone watching. That's your hope and your prayer where you live is that people who step inside the church want everyone to come and see, just come and see, mm. come and meet this man who knows everything about me and loves me just as I am. Yeah. And I think it starts with us um, remembering what Jesus has done for us, like us remembering our salvation story and realizing that if Jesus can save me, he can save the person that is, addicted to something on our streets. And he also can save the person who thinks they have everything they need. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Jesus, he literally is the answer for everyone. Yeah. So 
I love that idea of just what this merchant woman said, come and see. That's who we want. We want everyone to come and see who Jesus is. And what, you know, what's kind of crazy about that is she wasn't proud of, of some man knowing everything she had done because you know, she was what on her sixth husband or something, or was living with a man who wasn't even her husband. So she's living in sexual sin. She was a Samaritan woman. So she was an outcast from the, the dominant Jewish culture. Uh, and she was getting well or getting water from the well at noon, which is when nobody went to the well. So there's a level of shame involved in that. And, you know, uh, I really, the language of, of shame, uh, and condemnation is not the language of Christ. Uh, the language of that invitation that you're talking about and the, and the invitation to change, uh, is, is really the message. Uh, have you seen a lot of change in people's lives out there? Yeah. And I, I think Randy, what you just said, um, you know, for people to get to know Jesus, they have to get to know us, mm-hmm. which means we have to not hold shame against anyone. And we cannot judge someone for the lifestyle they're living in, because just as you just shared that Samaritan woman, she didn't go and clean up everything before she invited people to come see Jesus. Mm-hmm. She went back knowing that she still got stuff to deal with. She's still got a lifestyle that needs to change. She's still in the thick of it, but she had encountered Jesus and that it was, it was right there that she said, come and see. And so I think we've got to be more open and we've had to learn to be more open of like, Hey, people are going to step inside our church that they're still living in sin. They still are trying to figure this out, but we want to be the kind of church and we want to be the kind of people that say, just come come and get a taste of Jesus. And you're going to keep coming. You're, you're going to be hungry and thirsty for more. And so I love to say that we're, we have got a church that's still filled with a lot of people that are still trying to figure out who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. but they find shelter. They find safety. They find love in a place that speaks the name of Jesus and they keep coming back. And so we want to be that people, not only at church on Sundays, but even as we're engaging with people during the week to say, listen, I'm still figuring this out. I'm still learning what it looks like to follow Jesus. Would you come and give him a try? Okay, I love it. All right. We're talking to Shauna Pilgrim. Uh, you can, uh, my keys aren't working, by the way, on the name keys. Shauna, S-H-A-U-N-A. Pilgrim is P-I-L-G-R-E-E-N. Uh, as you can actually see her name on the book. ShaunaPilgreen.com is the website. Uh, if you want to follow her, uh, check out what's going on out there. And that's what the website looks like right there. Um, and Shauna, I want to I kind of dive into some of the, the structure and content of the book because I, I, I like where you, you, you look at three places where Christ and the culture meet, the gate, the cross, and the table. If, if you could, and I I know that this is a whole book. <laughs> give us, give us the, the, the short notes uh, on, on what you're seeing at these places, because I think these are really powerful. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that it's not just a progression of we start at the gate, we go to the cross, we end at the table, but it's this back and forth non-linear path mm-hmm. where you might be encountering someone at the gate. You might be encountering someone at the grocery store today or at the doctor's office today or at school today. Uh, but then you might be in Bible study or at church or, you know, leading a ministry. And then you might be at home or you might be at the dinner table or whatever. So the idea is like, 
we're constantly spending time at all three places. Mm. But Jesus spent time at all three places. So the gate represents this, this community marketplace that we're in. The cross represents the places we are where we're just, as Christians, we're comfortable using the language of Christ. We're comfortable talking. We can kind of let our guard down. Mm. We get each other. But the table is this place of, I am. I call it double listening, where I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, mm. but I'm also listening to what my friend, colleague, neighbor is saying so that I can become bilingual. And I, I can actually speak to Jesus on behalf of someone, and I can speak to someone using the words of Jesus. That's interesting. Okay. And so uh, did you cover the cross or did I... Yes, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where we're practicing. I mean, that's just, I think as believers, we can let our guard down because we're with people who get us. They know our language. They know how to speak. Um, but then the table represents the place where, we're, where we get to double listen. We get to become bilingual and we're practicing okay. the language of Christ and the language of culture. Okay. So I, I apologize. I'm, I'm over here messing with technical stuff, putting your website on online for people to see. I'm a mess today, but you know what? That's okay. That's part of that's that's kind of part of being open with with people in general is letting people see your mess and say look we all struggle with stuff we have good days we have bad days it's not about me it's it's about Christ and we keep pointing people to that and that is that is our story and you know the bible is full of stories and the one thing nobody can take from you is your story and Shauna you talk about the importance of sharing stories and i can imagine in a place like uh, downtown san francisco that has an impact. What do you see in the power of stories? Yeah, I'll I'll tell I'll tell one. Um, and I was at the coffee shop. I was actually writing um, writing the book and working on it. And um, Pete was someone that was just sitting sitting over there. And um, he walked over. We were we were chatting. Um, it was right in the midst of an election. And so we, we were talking about the election. We were talking about he was visiting his 100-year-old dad from Florida, checking in on him. We were talking about his alma mater and, and where our kids go to school. And anyway, so he's just like, hey, what are you working on? And you know, it was then I began to tell him uh, what kind of book I was writing. But for the longest time, we're just talking about the world we live in, right? right? right. Um, we're at the gate. But then he allowed me to share kind of a little bit of into my world as a Christian. Hmm. And um, I made a comment to him instead of like telling him my salvation story or, you know, this is what good church Christian, church going Christians do. Um, I just told him, I was like, hey, I would love to give you my email address. I, we know what it's like to live far from family. And if you ever need us just to check on your dad, because I know he was going back to Florida and his dad's here. If you just need us to check on your dad, like don't hesitate to reach out. Wow. And again, I didn't tell him where I went to church. I didn't tell him who Jesus was in my life. I just let him know, like, but it was something that I felt like Jesus would have done this for me. Yeah. And I got to do it for him. But even though I did not tell my salvation story, my conversation with him was built on top of my on, on top of my salvation story. Yeah. Well, I think we have to keep reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done for us because he's done it for everyone else. Mm. They just don't know him yet. <laughs> So we've got to live on top of our salvation stories, but there's going to be moments where we do get to share like who Jesus is and what he's done. Yeah. But in that situation, in that story, I just got to, you know, offer him my email address in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of the, 
uh, again, sort of the evangelical world is, is we feel like we have to sort of seal the deal on everything, you know, and, and, and dude, Paul talks about, how, you know, there's some who plant, some who water, you know, the Holy Spirit waters. It, it does. Sometimes you just need to, to love someone or to be willing to go that second mile because that then opens up the door. It, it doesn't yes. have to be, uh, you know, everything all at once all the time. No. Andy, I love that. And you and I were talking before this one on the air. We see so many people, I'm going to call them prodigals, that come, they come to San Francisco for work to, to make it big. Someone invites them to church. And we have so many people who tell us of the seeds that were sown in their life. Mm-hmm. From, I mean, there was a girl yesterday that's here from DC. She's coming back to her faith, but she could recall the seeds that have been planted in her life from parents, from college professors, from her youth group leader that just continued to pray for her. Mm. So I can even tell you, we've even got prodigals that are coming back, but they're coming back because there were seeds planted in their lives. So you're right. Like we never know where that seed, what's Mm. going to come up from, from the ground. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I can love it. I do. I'm, I'm curious about one thing and <laughs> forgive the question. This may be that, you know, you still live in the middle of the country. You don't understand what it's like on the coast kind of question, but I, I do have to ask because I know when I was out in the Tenderloin district years ago, when it, and, and things have not improved, um, it, there were like the people I was with, uh, were like, yeah, you don't, yeah, don't go over there or, or don't go there at night. Um, is safety a real concern? And if so, how, how do you raise a family out there? <laughs> yes. I mean, we've raised, we're raising four kids here and three are in high school at this moment right now. And they will take buses home mm-hmm. from school today. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, Randy. It's It's hard. It's hard. And we feel called here. Um, yes, you do keep your guard up. You're always attentive. I mean, yeah, there's times we close the blinds or we turn the the sound machine up louder at night because of the noise that's happening outside. So it's it's all very real. But God loves the city. He has not given up on the city. And I thank God that there are churches and nonprofits and people that are called to the battlefield here. And we, we love doing ministry together in this city mm-hmm. and our kids, like there's nothing our kids have not seen. I, I kid you not. There's nothing our kids have not seen. Like they could go live anywhere in the world and know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And they probably will. Our four kids will probably go live in other places around the world. And they're going to be able to do it with confidence. They've learned how to share their faith. They've learned empathy. So much has happened in them because God has called them to the city, at least through their high school years. And yeah, we, there are, there are streets we avoid. Mm -hmm. There are places we avoid at night. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, we are seeing a move of God happen in the city. We baptized one person yesterday. We've got four people to baptize next week. I mean, God, God is here. God is here. And, and, And I love that because it's really easy for those of us who are not in, in a difficult place, um, to live. And when we don't like the politics and when we feel like so many people out there are 
against Christianity, even attacking it, which is all true. It's it's easy to write off those areas, but those are those areas where the light shines the brightest and God's love is not gone. If you could say something to the rest of us, and in a sense to the people in, in the safe neighborhoods and the big churches where you grew up and where I still live, what, what would you say from, uh, from those who are out there on the front lines of loving people, preaching the gospel, and saving people in, in the most difficult areas? What do we need to hear? Yeah, and I think I would say, um, and really what the whole thing with the, with the book, it it goes back to the original idea of evangelism. And evangelism means to bring the good news. Evangelism is not brainwashing or forcing someone to believe. It's not coercion. It's not even conversion. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Mm. Evangelism is we bring the good news. We bring the good news. And that's what we're, we're here to do. It, Evangelism to me, it's having that caring conversation that I've got something so good to share with you. It would be ridiculous for me not to share it. <laughs> and I think whether you're in the Midwest or you would say you live in a very comfortable neighborhood, chances are high in this day and time that you will encounter people today who need to feel loved by Jesus. <laughs> they need to know that Jesus loves them. Yeah. And Yes, it's kind of in our face in San Francisco, maybe more than it is in in Dallas. But the reality is whether they are shooting up on the street or living in a tent or they look very put together in line at Target. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that are going on inside people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And they just we need to be having those caring conversations with people and letting them know how much Jesus loves them. And I think we will all be surprised when we start that conversation Pay attention, because I think if the door is open, you just need to keep that conversation going. And if they just didn't seem interested in what you had to say, just even in your heart, just pray a blessing over them and that God would soften their hearts for the next conversation that someone's going to have with them. (laughs) You know, I love it. You're so right. I I, I, thank you. Thank you for the reminder, because I I do think sometimes we need to be shaken a little bit and, and reminded of really what what the gospel is all about and how we we translate Jesus whether we do it well or poorly in our lives every day so let's do it well uh appreciate your 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 time you know your insight is there anything you want to say before I let you go anything I missed no and I would say for anyone who just feels like oh man I don't feel like I'm good at this or they feel like even shamed for like missing opportunities like it's gonna happen the whole idea with um, translating Jesus. It's just practice. Hmm. It's just practice. The more, the more we do it. Yes. Maybe the more we mess up or we felt like we could have done that better, but I just say, keep practicing. Yeah. Well, the only way you're going to really get good at something is by doing it. And so, yeah, that's very practical. I appreciate your practical advice. (laughs) And thanks again for being with us. Uh, you can check Shauna out at shaunapilgreen.com. And this is her website. It looks just like that. You'll know you're in the right place. She's got a book club. So if you want to uh, walk through some books with her, you can do that. And her book is called Translating Jesus. It's available wherever you get books. So check that out. And you know what? Let's just learn how to do it. Let's go do it. Let's be Jesus to the world. The world desperately needs it. So you can do it. Appreciate you guys being here. If you haven't liked, follow, or subscribe, do that. 
and we'll see you again next time here on Life Good Life.